millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the Irish History Podcast. My name is Finn Dwyer and today I have a very special episode recorded on location for you. I've just stepped ashore on Spike Island, what's often called Ireland's Alcatraz. This place was a monastic settlement, a military fortification, but above all, a prison. And in this episode, I'm going to explore what's an incredible sight. Now, while I make my way off the pier, I've just come across on a boat. I just want to say that the supporters exclusive series on the Civil War, that continues over on Patreon and Acast Plus this week. That's with Dr. Bob Brian Hanley. But from here on, I just want to talk to you about Spike Island and just in a place with an incredible history. Now, to explain how the episode is going to work, before I came over on the boat, I sat down with a local historian and a guide who works here on Spike Island, Tom O'Neill. And Tom explained lots of the fascinating history. So while I make my way around the island, you're going to hear from Tom as he explains a lot of the history of Spike Island that stretches back well over a thousand years. Now, it's a bit of a walk from the pier up to the fort where the prison and obviously the military fortifications were located. So while I make my way up there, you're going to hear from Tom and he's going to explain a bit of the background of Spike Island and its ancient monastic history. So the island is approximately 104 acres in, in area and it's located approximately one kilometre south of the tourist town of Cove. So all of the movement, we would say the, the visitors and that, they all depart from Cove to Spike and return to, to Cove. So the earliest recorded use of the island was as a monastic settlement. But because of the development of the island afterwards, there are no signs or artefacts remaining of its use as a monastic settlement. After that, then, and for most of its time, it was used simply as 104 acres of farmland until the British Army moved in there toward the end of the 18th century and developed Spike Island then as a coastal defence fortification for the protection of Cork Harbour. And the British Army then were using Spike Island from the end of the 18th century until 1938. During that time, so they, they, they were on it right through between those years, but in addition then to its use as a coastal defence fortification, it was used by the British authorities as a convict depot. It was from 1847 to 1883. Then in 1916, as a result of the 1916 Easter Rising, which was primarily in Dublin, it was also used very, very briefly as a prison specifically for the crew of the gun-running ship Odd and of two prominent Kerry Irish Frontier officers. In 1921 then, 
it became a very important British military prison for Republican prisoners and internees. And it was used as such then until the end of 1921. Eventually then, even though the remainder of the country then gained independence in 1922 as a result of the Anglo-Irish Treaty, part of that treaty was that Spike Island and other important locations would remain, we'll say, occupied by British forces, but this time it was with the permission of the Irish government. And the British Army finally left Spike Island in July of 1938. Now, I've moved up about three or four hundred metres and I can see the fortification in front of me. It's immense. I'm going to talk about that, or well, Tom is going to talk about that now in a minute. But first, I want to play this recording from my interview with Tom. There's a local lore that Cromwell used the island to hold prisoners. And as Tom is about to explain, that's never really been proven. A lot of the earlier history of the site obviously was obscured when this huge fortification was built. So you're going to hear again from Tom about Cromwell. We have never been able to, to find definitive, we'll say, proof of that. Because when you, when you consider that the British Army moved into Spike Island around 17... 1790, we'll say. Well, Cromwell was there much before that. So while there is proof that Cromwell did use Cork Harbour to actually, uh, as a holding place for his prisoners, we actually have no definitive proof of that. Now, there are poems, but we really can't nail that one down. So I've reached the fortification and now I'm actually standing in what is the dry moat of this huge fort. Don't worry about the details of it. I'm going to explain all that later in the episode. But before we go into what exactly was built here, why the British army would eventually build this sprawling fortification on this island, I need to explain, or rather again, Tom is going to explain now, the important location of Spike Island. It wasn't chosen for a fortification because it's an island, but rather its location in the wider context. The island is located slap bang in the middle of Cork Harbour, which became a really important feature for the British Army from the 17th and 18th century onwards. So here's Tom explaining its geographical importance in the local landscape, and this really helps you understand why uh, this site was chosen uh, for such a huge fortification. Right, well, f first of all, I suppose, where is Cork? Where is Cork Harbour? For those people that wouldn't be familiar with it, it's really in the south, centre, the south central spot on the island of Ireland. And I suppose, first of all, it has the second largest natural harbour in the world. And to understand the importance of its strategic location, you must look at it not from the, the Cork or the Irish perspective, but on the mainland United Kingdom. And of course, you have the, and in particular, and obviously during times of war, that of course the, the main route into mainland UK were what's called the southwestern approaches. So that's from the Atlantic, from the Maid, from the South Atlantic. They had a choice then of actually getting into the mainland ports, either between south of Ireland and sort of northwest of France, and into the main British ports, or else obviously the second route was around the, the, the north coast of Ireland. So you can see then that with 
Cork being on the south coast of Ireland, it was the main, in, in the more recent years, it was the principal location then, particularly up to the First World War. Cork Harbour was an extremely important anti-submarine base and it was also a location then where they could deploy their warships on convoy escort. From what Tom has said there, you can clearly grasp that this is a really important geographical location. But he now explains, and this was really fascinating for me to hear him talk about this, why, what was going on in broader history that made the British authorities invest huge amounts of money in building this big fortification on Spike Island. And this is one of those things that's related to the history of the wider Atlantic. And as you're about to hear, it brings in the American Revolution and a changing global world where Britain was increasingly worried about global threats, I suppose. So I'm going to let Tom explain that to you now. Up to the American War of Independence, Kinsale was the principal harbour for the Royal Navy on the South Coast. But because of the increase in the frequency of the ships, because obviously at the time the British had to resupply the British forces in the Americas fighting the War of Independence, and the only way of resupplying them was by boat, by ship. And of course, Kinsale was an important resupply. Um, it was actually their last resupply port before crossing the Atlantic. And with the increase in the size of the ships and the frequency, couple that then with the very limited space in Kinsale and the fact that Kinsale Harbour was tidal, that is the reason then. So the American War of Independence was the specific reason why the British pulled out of Kinsale Harbour and moved into a much bigger Cork Harbour. Now, at the time, the British military had existing facilities for the defence of Cork Harbour. There was one particular one, Cove Fort, which was on the eastern side of, of, of Cove Town, but the British built it in the wrong place. They looked at the purpose of it, which was to protect the harbour, so they had the guns positioned where they could cover the entrance to the inner harbour. But what they forgot about was the key terrain was the high ground behind the fort so that if an enemy had captured the high ground behind the fort, it would have been impossible to defend it. So they decided to abandon Cove Fort and then move over to Spike. And then they built a much, uh, we'll say, the British military then decided to move out away from Cove Fort and over to Spike. So the first thing they did was, in around 1779, they put a temporary earthworks there, put a couple of cannon there, and said, right, yeah, and then they concluded, absolutely, this is the place. I'm inside the fortification on Spike Island, and next I want to try and explain to you what I'm looking at, so you can kind of understand it listening at home. So it's a six-sided fortification, and each corner is protected by bastions. They protrude out at each corner, and they give protection, so it makes it almost impossible to attack. Tom explained this one to me, and I got a really good understanding from it, from my discussion with Tom earlier. So I'm going to play that clip for you now. When they realised the important significance of, of Spike, the next thing they would then do would build a limestone fort, much more permanent structure. And when they did that around 1789, and much, the, the fort was much smaller, what they did is they realised this island is so important as a strategic defence location that they would build a much bigger fort. So the bigger fort, which is now 
the present Fort Westmoreland, and now renamed Fort Mitchell, covers 24 acres. The, it's, it's hexagonal in size, like arrowheads on the four corners and halfway at north and halfway south. So that makes it very difficult to attack. Around the fort then you have a dry moat. Again, it, these are all obstacles. So now what you have, you have an enemy potentially landing on the beach and you first call the killing ground between the rim of the dry moat down to the beach so there's nowhere for an attacking force to hide. Then they, if they do overwhelm and then they get as far as the, the next obstacle, then is the dry moat. So an obstacle isn't an obstacle unless it's covered by fire. So you have your own friendly force then up on the high ground pouring, I suppose at the time, muskets and cannon down on the enemy. So you can see how it was all defence in depth on the fort as well. You're the killing ground and you're the obstacles. So because of the, the successful introduction of all of these defence positions, the forts and the, the obstacles within the forts, the harbour was never actually attacked then. Now there were attempts by German U-boats to mine it and the U-boat blew the stern off itself trying to lay a mine and kill the entire crew and the wreckage of that German U-boat is just at the entrance to the harbour. So you see it was strategic, it was very important, but it was just, the, the defences were just so strong. For most Irish people, Spike Island is famous for one thing and it's not as a military fortification, but as a prison. And in my conversation with Tom, he prepared me for what these prisons are like. So when we were chatting, I asked him a bit about the prison. I'd heard about it. And this is what he had to say. So I'm going to make my way over to the prison block, but I want you to kind of get prepared for what I'm going to see by Tom's answer. Because it really struck me when I was listening to it that I guess what I was going to find in the prison block would be pretty bleak. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Again, very important that it's used by the British as a prison on three occasions was in addition to its use as a coastal fortification. So, if you like, the... The, the prison was just, there were lodgers in the, in the fort. Now, the first time then was the, con, the convict era, and that was 1847 to 1883. The next time was 1916, 
during the Easter Rising. The third occasion it was used as the British military prison then was 1921, when we had approximately 1,200 Republican prisoners and internees on the island. So they, they were the principal occasions during the time the British were on Spike Island that it was used as a, as a, as a prison. Now, it, it was then in 1847, primarily as a result of the, the famine. As a result of the famine, there was a massive increase in the number of individuals that were being convicted for petty theft. And they were sentenced to very serious terms and sometimes for transportation. So Spike Island was used as a convict depot during those years. And that meant it was a holding centre for prisoners, for convicts awaiting transportation, either to the Americas or to Van Diemen's Land. And during those 36 years then, approximately 1,200 convicts died on the island and were buried on the island in two locations. The vast majority of them were really victims of the famine, but there were also serious criminals that were incarcerated on the island at the time. But the other, the other convicts that were there then, including four of the Fenians, who were treated very harshly because they had participated in the Fenian Rising of 1867. But the vast majority of them were ordinary criminals, as well as that percentage that were, we would say, victims of, 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 of the famine and starvation and had resorted to thievery in, and particularly trapping game in the landlord, in the landlord's domains, if you like. And they resorted, and they had to resort to that in an attempt to feed their starving families. So the conditions that the prisoners were held in during the convict era have been very, very um, professionally interpreted. So when the visitors come to Spike Island, they can actually feel, the, the, they, they can almost visualise the, the sense of being in here in the atrocious conditions. And so these have been beautifully preserved and the visitor can actually see and sense the, the, the horrendous conditions that these unfortunates were actually imprisoned in during the convict era. And what's massively interesting, not alone can they visually see this and they can see the, the actual clothing that they had. And we have actually included the rats that would have been there. And I want to assure the visitor that the rats that are on Spike Island are not something that we bought in a, in, in, in a gift shop. They're real rats that were, you know, preserved and they really add to the sense of like, oh, what would you be doing in here? So I've arrived in what was the prison block, and this was used in the 19th century, particularly during the famine, uh, for prisoners who were sentenced to transportation. So that's people who would be shipped to Australia, uh, to the penal colonies there. And as I mentioned earlier, Tom had kind of forewarned me what this would be like. And having stepped inside here, it is absolutely bleak. It's red bricked corridors. And then I'm actually at the back. Uh, I met another guy, Noel, outside, and he recommended that I'd come back 
into what were, um, I'd say, solitary confinement, I think is what he said. And these cells were absolutely bleak. There's only one of them intact. And I'm just going to walk in. You can probably hear the change in um, noise. It's, these are narrow corridors. And I'm just stepping into what was a cell, solitary confinement, uh, a cell that was used for this. And it's so the cell is separated out from the wider world, for want of a better word, by two doors. So there's a door, there's a main corridor, then you step into another corridor and then you enter the door of the cell. And now I'm walking into the cell itself. And I guess it's like, okay, so I'm six foot five, so I could probably lie down in one direction and lengthways, I couldn't lie across the cell. So that gives you a sense of how small it is. There's no windows whatsoever. This would have been, that the lights have actually got out while I'm in here and it's pitch dark. There's no natural light at all. It really gets a sense of how bleak it is. I think there's a, uh, uh, um, one of those machines to extract moisture from uh, the air outside, but there's uh, drips of water coming down all the time. You really get a sense of how miserable this must have been. And I can imagine in winter with the wind howling in through Cork Harbour, this place must have been freezing. Now, outside, this is the, I suppose, the, the punishment wing. It's at the back of the Victoria prison. The main block reminds me of Kilmainham Jail in Dublin, and that's a prison heavily associated with the revolutionary era. And Spike Island has strong associations with that. Now, Tom is going to explain, first of all, the connections to the 1916 Rising. Obviously that, as he's about to explain, is largely associated with Dublin. But here in Spike Island, in Cork Harbour, um, I suppose events relating to the Rising or certainly relating to the repression that followed the Rising took place here. 1916 is an important one because while the 1916 Rising was almost exclusively Dublin and Enniscorthy and County Wexford, with, with the exception of a few small skirmishes elsewhere. The direct link that Spike Island has with the 1916 Rising is first of all the crew of this famous gun running ship Odd. Now, the Odd was started life as a British cargo ship and it just happened to be in Germany in 1914 when war broke out. So the Odd then was confiscated and commandeered by the German authorities. So in the lead up to the 1916 Rising, those that were organising the Rising knew that they didn't have the resources within country. So they were looking and they said, well, hold on now, it's, we're in the middle of a world war. England is our enemy and the common enemy is Germany. And so they went to Germany and the Germans had captured probably hundreds of thousands of Russian rifles and millions of rounds of ammunition. So they decided as a bit of a, a resupply or a, a supply of warfighting material for the Rising, they would send the cargo ship Odd, now renamed Libau, put a German crew on it, fill it with Russian equipment and send it to Kerry. But there was a, a complete hash made of the reception committee in Kerry. There was, there was change of dates so that when the Odd arrived off the Kerry coast, there was nobody to meet it. British military intelligence had learned through the uh, American authorities that this gun running ship was heading for Ireland, so they were waiting for it. The ship was captured by the Royal Navy and the ship's captain, Spindler, was told 
head for Queenstown on the escort. He had foreseen this, so what he had here, the ship rigged with explosives. He was not going to hand over his cargo to British authorities, so his plan was to detonate the ship at the entrance to Cork Harbour, doing two things, destroy the cargo and block the channel. So he detonated the explosives then, but the ship sank just outside the harbour. So that was the end then of all that cargo of 20,000 uh, rifles and a million rounds of ammunition for the volunteers. The crew were rescued almost immediately by one of the escort vessels and brought to Spike. So there's our, one of our direct links with the Rising. The main man that was involved in arranging a reception for the odd in Kerry was Austin Stack. He had, if you like, almost given himself up to be arrested, so he was sent to Spike Island with another senior volunteer officer in Kerry by the name of Con Collins. So they, they were the two links then, Collins, Stack and the odd, they were our links then with the 1916 Rising. I've just walked down through the Victorian wing of the prison and while it was associated, as you've just heard there, with the 1916 Rising, the Spike Island Jail was used um, extensively during the War of Independence. I've covered that in the main... Well, not, I haven't covered the connections with Spike Island, but I've covered the War of Independence in a series uh, from last year and the year before. But if you've listened to that, you'll know that during uh, the War of Independence, the British Army and the British administration and the Crown Forces interned large numbers of people and jails all across Ireland were full to capacity. Spike Island was used to hold Republican prisoners and actually uh, as a prison and an island prison I think everyone wants to hear an escape story and as Tom talked to me about the connections with the War of Independence he uh, told me this fascinating story of an escape from Spike Island uh, in 1921. Now the next time then it was used by the British authorities to to imprison Republican individuals was in 1921 as what was referred to as the British military prison in the field. And initially it was used for internees, Republican internees. Republican internees were Republicans that were arrested by Crown forces and the Crown force didn't have enough evidence to convict them of anything, so they simply interned them without trial. So the majority of the Republicans that were on Spike Island in 1921 were Republican internees. And the others then were Republican prisoners. Again, the more serious Republicans that were captured maybe on the rams, captured as a result of a, a, an incident with Crown forces. And they were charged with an offence. They were tried by military courts and they were convicted and sentenced to a term of imprisonment. And what makes the 1921 prison very, very interesting for our visitors is that the, in the prisoners and internees came from the six counties of Munster and counties Wexford and Kilkenny, which were considered the most dangerous counties in Ireland during the War of Independence and were put under martial law. The military prison was opened in February of 1921 and we know that there were approximately 1,200 men imprisoned or interned on Spike Island during 1921. During that time then, there were two successful escapes. The first was the end of March when three prisoners escaped and one of the prisoners was 
amazingly, one of the most wanted men in the martial law area. But what happened was when he was arrested in Cork City on Christmas morning, the British authorities were looking for him under his alias, Sean Ford. His real name was Tom Malone, so he gave his real name Tom Malone. So he was convicted and sentenced and he ended up on Bear Island. But because Bear Island wasn't secured, British authorities decided to move all the Republican prisoners out of Bear Island and move them to Spike, including Malone. He knew they were closing in on him, so he had to escape. So using the Catholic chaplain as the means of taking messages to and from the Cove IRA, it was arranged that he would escape on this Saturday morning. So the most difficult part of the escape would be to get out of the fort. So very simply, the three IRA prisoners volunteered their services to the British Army to work on maintaining the golf course on the outside of the island. So now they were outside of the island, they overpowered the guards and the IRA under Captain Mick Burke from Cove brought over a boat, lifted them and took them to the mainland where they successfully escaped. And I say what's massively interesting about him is that he was one of the most wanted. They did realise they already had him. Now during this period when Spike Island continued to be used as a prison, it was also still a fortification. And even after the treaty which ended the War of Independence was signed, Spike Island remained in the hands of the British Army. It was what was called one of the treaty ports. And it, under the terms of the treaty, the British Army maintained control of three ports around Ireland, the idea being these were strategically crucial to Britain. What was really important though is in 1938, at the end of a trade war that had begun in 1932, these ports were handed over to the Irish Free State and that meant that Ireland would be able to remain neutral in the Second World War. Had Spike Island and the other treaty ports remained in the hands of the British during the Second World War. Obviously, it's highly likely that the Germans would have bombed Spike Island and that would have made Irish neutrality uh, very, very difficult. But in 1938, Spike Island was handed back. But what's incredible though is that its history as a prison didn't end during the War of Independence. In fact, it continued right up into the late 20th century. Tom explains a bit about the uh, later history of the site. Uh, the, the reason the Naval Service moved out or were pushed out in 1985, in March 1985, was because the government had decided to use the Fort and Spike Island as a modern prison. And of course, it was totally unsuitable for that because other than having the security of the high walls, there was no cellular accommodation. And the plan was that only very low category prisoners would be moved to Spike. But of course, that didn't happen then because when prison governors from around the country got opportunities to move prisoners from their institution to Spike, it was the worst ones they sent down. So now you had the new prison, which wasn't really a prison, holding serious prisoners. There, there were several attempts and there were se several occasions when they succeeded or almost succeeded in escaping. And of course, it, it all came to a head then on the Saturday night, the 31st of August 1985, when the prisoners rioted and did a lot of destruction. A lot of them were moved out then, and after that then it was developed as a secure prison. 
Okay, I have to go and catch my ferry soon. So I'm gonna sign off here. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. It's something pretty different. I really enjoyed making it. Spike Island is an incredible place to come and visit. I'd really recommend it. I hope these recordings have translated because it's just a fantastic place. I really, as I say, enjoy just walking around, exploring this site. Next week, I'll be back with a new show. And until then, Sloan.